Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of No Doubt. Um, today I'd like to kind of um, talk to you about um, the introduction to Pure Land Buddhism because I've noticed that um, um, there might be some people out there listening who are listening to this for the first time and might not even know what Jodo Shishu is, let alone might not even know what Pure Land Buddhism is. And, and so I'd like to just kind of give a brief introduction about um, what um, Pure Land Buddhism is. And I will be talking about it from the perspective of our founder of our school, Jodo Shishu Buddhism, which is, um, who is uh, Shinai Shoni, who founded um, this tradition. Actually, I should say he wasn't the person who founded it, but his students were the pers- were the people who kind of organized um, this religious tradition around um, him as as the the um, uh, the founder of of this school. So um, the the Pure Land tradition in in general in Japanese is known as Jodo Kyo, and um, the the Pure Land Buddhism. Um, of Shinai Shonin's uh, understanding became uh, what we know of today as Jodo, Jodo Shinshu. Okay, and so that's that's kind of um, the the general kind of historical context of this tradition. So in Pure Land Buddhism, as understood by Shinan Shonin, who lived in the 12th to 13th centuries of, of the Common Era, um, the founder uh, is uh, attributed to Shinan Shonin, and the problem of um, of one's attachments or what we call blind passions is nearly um, insurmountable for the ordinary being or what we call bombu in Japanese but um, uh, we, we here in America will call it the ordinary being and Shinan's personal religious path of seeking to extinguish his blind passions while a tandai monk um, practicing on Mount Hiei in Kyoto Japan proved to be futile and for 20 years he lived as a monastic monk and he, and, and he tried desperately to attain enlightenment through his own strengths and efforts. But it seemed that for every step that he made in progress in extinguishing a blind passion, he would take two steps back in, the more, uh, uh, in, in that more blind passions would arise. And as he proceeded to extinguish those, those new blind passions, the ones that he originally thought he extinguished would come back leading him to kind of regress in his path to enlightenment. And so his constant struggle of not being able to attain true emancipation from his ego attachments culminated in his utter frustration and finally um, existential hopelessness in being able to find true liberation from suffering. In in other words, being able to find enlightenment through his own um, uh, strengths. And finally, under the guidance of um, Hone Shonin, uh, a monk who underwent the same exact frustration and hopelessness as he did, Shinan was able to encounter teaching uh, that allowed him to find solace in absolute truth and be at peace with his true self, which is a person uh, whose blind passions would never be extinguished. So instead, through Amida Buddha's primal vow, or this teaching of Amida Buddha's primal vow, or what we refer to as other power, Shinan came to understand that all this time he was desperately trying to find truth when in fact, truth was always right there with him every step of the way. So I've I've mentioned this before, but um, I think it really kind of encapsulates um, uh, Shinan's kind of religious experience, which is to say that truth is not something that one grasps, 
but rather true truth grasps the individual. And now he realized that awakening to truth wasn't contingent upon the basis of accruing merit through his own self-power practices, which only led to his delusional efforts in trying to control truth or the pursuit of truth. Right? Rather, he came to understand that by letting go of his ego self that forcefully tried to bring about truth, he was able to come to the profound awakening of being embraced by true reality just as he was. How relieved was he to awaken to this teaching, that of Amida Buddha's primal vow? A common misunderstanding and criticism towards Shinan's teaching is that Pure Land Buddhists are lazy, they do nothing in terms of religious practice, and that this teaching simply requires one's devotion and blind faith in a deity-like figure, Amida Buddha. They argue that this tradition, in fact, sounds more like a monotheistic tradition than it does a school of Buddhism. However, upon closer inspection, we see that this teaching is based on Mahayana principles, and its textual basis centers on Shakyamuni Buddha's teaching of how to reach nirvana by overcoming and resolving the issue of one's attachments. From a Jodo Shinshu perspective, we overcome those attachments by understanding that they are not to be viewed as the enemy and something to be extinguished through rigorous practices. Rather, when we come to this, when we come to terms with our blind passions and understand them for what they are, they are in fact the very source that enables us to awaken to the true reality of infinite wisdom and compassion that embraces us. This teaching is the altruistic expression of nirvana, and this is the way in which we overcome, so to speak, our attachments. The question now becomes, you know, how is this not a Buddhism? What is our practice then? So our practice is the, the nembutsu, okay? um, and that basically is contemplating on, entrusting in, and reciting Amida Buddha's name. But this isn't our practice in terms of how we might normally perceive the, the purpose of practice to be. It is not the case that the more times one thinks and says the name of Amida Buddha, the more the individual accrues merit and progresses towards enlightenment. Rather, we contemplate on, we entrust in, and we recite the great practice, or in other words, the great working which brings us to true awakening. So I use the, the terms great practice and great working here interchangeably. Amida Buddha then is not a deity or a godlike figure who grants our salvation. Instead, Amida Buddha is the dynamic reality of infinite wisdom and compassion, which we give anthropomorphic features to in order to further deepen our understanding of our relationship with this ultimate reality. So basically, um, in layman's terms, what that, what that is saying is that Amida Buddha is, is the embodiment of this principle of infinite wisdom and compassion, the way this world actually is. But we can't see it that way. We can't understand it that way. And the reason for this is because of our blind passions, which keep us from seeing the reality as such. 
right? So we see our egocentric self as uh, this reality, as opposed to how reality really is, right? And so when we awaken to this, um, the, the greater reality, then we understand that we are in fact not the center of the universe, that actually the center of the universe, if anything, is this principle of wisdom and compassion, which we personify as a Buddha who has a head, eyes, hands, and feet, right? And so that's what we, we, we portray as this universal reality because we're dumb <laughs> and, we, and we can't understand what this principle of infinite wisdom and compassion is unless we have concrete um, uh, description and, and a depiction of what this reality is. That depiction is Amida Buddha. So that's how we understand our relationship with this true reality by personifying it as a, uh, a Buddha with human-like figures and or with a few human-like figure okay and so that um is um what amida buddha is okay so it's important to understand that amida buddha is not a deity and it is not something or someone a superior omnipotent being that grants our salvation upon certain conditions that we meet okay so that's that is not what amida buddha is and that is not the reason why we do um you know services and say namo amidabutsu and these kinds of things namo amidabutsu as, as i mentioned before is is simply the affirmation of our connection to this um true reality and recognizing that we are embraced within this principle of infinite wisdom and compassion so moving on then in more concrete terms it's through constant listening of the buddha dharma or what Nembutsu followers understand as the quote-unquote calling voice of Amida Buddha, in other words, the calling voice of true reality, that we can encounter this true reality. But what makes this difficult to encounter is that true reality is wondrously subtle. The voice of true reality is so subtle, in fact, that it's indeed voiceless. How then does one hear the calling of the voiceless voice of true reality? And therein lies the path for the Nembutsu practitioner, because it's, it's not a path that explicitly stipulates how each person, whether that person is, is a priest, a monk, or a lay person, uh, a person who is, who is not part of um, the clergy. Um, it doesn't stipulate how each person must carry out his or her life. Each person has to find one's own unique path that brings one to hear and entrust this calling voice. And it's in the process of constantly listening to the Buddha Dharma and recognizing this voiceless voice emerging in each moment of our life experiences that the individual then awakens to the Buddha's calling voice. Now, everything in life centers on this principle of infinite wisdom and compassion instead of the egocentric self. We can become truly grateful of this life that has been given to us. As such, we can hear 
the voiceless voice. We can hear it in our conversations with our life partners, perhaps even through our arguments with them. We can hear it through the pain in our hearts when we hear about the victims of endless and senseless gun shootings that, that's constantly on the news. We can hear it through our chanting of the sutras. We can hear it through eating hot dogs at ball games with our kids, right? We can hear this voiceless voice through hearing the Dharma messages. Hear the voiceless voice through the solidarity of humanity we sense as we are faced with climate change. Hear the voiceless voice when we hold our mother's hand even though she barely recognizes who we are as she suffers from Alzheimer's disease. And finally, we can hear the voiceless voice through our tears when a loved one passes away. These life experiences all, without exception, all of them, become the causes and conditions that bring us to encounter the all-inspiring profundity of the world of oneness. This worldview is brought to you by Amida Buddha, and that is Namo Amidabas. So I'd like to now move on to the second section, which, to, which is to kind of look at um, some of the things that's been happening in the news and, and perhaps one way to approach this from a Jodo Shinshu perspective. Um, on a personal level, um, there have been people that I, I have known that have passed away and they, they kind of passed away suddenly. Um, and so already right there, you know, there's just um, um, kind of a lot of things going in, in, in my own personal life. But um, also, um, you know, when, you, when, when I flip on the news, um, there has been um, a big school shooting at, at this place called Oxford um, and, and, and used. And, and there is this footage of, of the kids that are kind of like um, um, 
whether they're they're trying to decide whether to open the door or not and there there's live video footage of this and um it kind of just shows the the way that these kids are desensitized to um uh, to uh, to these incidents occurring and to the issue of guns and and um to the issue of this country being okay with killing our children um I, you know, say what you will about the issue, uh, but that's basically what this country is saying, is that we are okay with seeing our kill our children killed. Um, and that's just the fact of the matter, you know, um, and, and, and so anyway, um, that's so that's one kind of issue that's been going on. Another one is, you know, this is just before um, the holiday season, um, but um, you know all those you know incidents of, of the smash and grab that's happening in particularly in california in the bay area um a lot of people um robbing um local businesses local jeweler jewelry stores and 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 clothing stores high-end retail stores and these kinds of things um and then um and then Thanksgiving comes and then we're hit with a new COVID strain, right? And the Omicron is, is, is rampant. And now, um, as we speak right now, it's, it's rampant throughout the country. Every state has seen just this, this explosion of, of new, of new um, uh, COVID cases. And, and that's just kind of constantly on the news, right? And then we see the issue of, of, of climate change worsening, right? Um, and and um, I just saw a, a documentary on, on Venice and how it's flooding and uh, um, the situation seems to be getting worse um, all throughout the world. And um, the issue also with masks polluting um, the world uh, because they're being thrown away at an alarming rate. And so there's that issue that's, that's added on to this whole thing. And I always was wondered um, uh, myself, you know, in terms of like, you know, when we eat out at restaurants and stuff like that, we get things take out and there's all these plastic containers that we use. And that's another thing that that's kind of been on my mind is as well. And, and I'm not too sure how what would be an effective way to, to go about um, resolving that issue. Um, and then, you know, I think it's just a matter of me. Um, clicking on too many of these um, YouTube, you know, channels um, that um, show negative kind of things ha that's happening in the world um, and, and the things that are on the news that are happening in the world. So it's, it's really kind of, I'm in this, this, this weird mind state of, of my mind being um, in, a, in, a, in a downer mode. Um, but through all these kind of personal and society, societal issues taking place, I kind of feel like I'm being exhausted and, and, and kind of, you know, strangled with, by the news that's the, the negative news that's so rampant in our society recently. Um, um, you know, and, and it kind of makes me wonder, you know, like, uh, how do I stay focused on, you know, the Buddha Dharma and continue this work when there's just so much, you know, going on in the world? And then I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, of a famous phrase um, that Shina Shonin is, is quoted to have stated um, in the Tanya show. And it, it reads in Japanese as the following. Yorozu no koto minamotte soragoto tawagoto makoto arukoto naki ni tada nembutsu no mizo makoto ni te All matters without exception are empty and false, totally without truth and sincerity. The nembutsu alone is true and real and this is found in in what's called the tanisha a very famous work this 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 phrase is extremely famous um i mean every jodo shinshi person 
um, I will go out on a limb and say this, but every Jodo Shinshu person in Japan will know this phrase. At least have heard it once. Um, and it comes up in the Tanisho. And the Tanisho is a famous text throughout Japan. And, and um, 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 many, many people know this phrase. It actually embarrasses me to, to kind of say it in Japanese in my kind of accented Japanese. But anyway, um, suffice it to say that this phrase is, is a very no, well-known quote and that um, it, it's kind of hits home in terms of, of what, um, how we can um, perceive this world and understand this world and what um, Shinan Shoni was trying to explain through this quote. Um, be, because if you take this superficially or out of context, um, it can sound very, um, um, it can be taken out of hand to say, you know, like um, that, that Shinan is trying to say, I alone have the right teaching and everybody else is wrong, which is not what he is saying at all, right? What he, he's trying to say is that uh, we have to look at the reality of the situation, that all of this life is, is, is constantly changing and that constant change um, has a reason for that happening. And we have to look at that as spiritual seekers um, because that's where the problem lies. So, um, uh, you know, I believe that this phrase is, is really true. It really hits home and it's really applicable to today's um, day and age, right? It, it is absolutely the case that all things are in fact empty and false, quote unquote, um, which might sound really harsh um, to the average person. But what that means is that everything is in flux. Everything is in flux and constantly changing. Everything is constantly changing, but we fail to recognize things at, as they are, which is that they are always changing. Instead, we want things to always stay the same. We want things not to change, but we fail to grasp this understanding. And that is why we suffer. Shinan then explains that only the Nembutsu is true and real. That is to say that only the world of Amida Buddha's great wisdom and compassion brought to us by the Onembutsu is that which is true. And this is what we should use as our anchor in this life of uncertainty and precariousness. What's kind of interesting is that um, Shinan Shonin himself does not use the word mujo, impermanence, um, that much in his writing. It only comes up like a couple times. Um, and, and so why is that, right? You know, mujo, uh, it, it, uh, impermanence is like, that's like one of the pillars of Buddhism. You know, why is he not using this word more often, right? Um, and, and the reason for that is actually a really interesting point. It, it, sh it goes to show Shinan's humility. Um, only the Buddha Dharma, he felt, was able to speak to that truth. Who am I to tell other people, your loved one passed away, well, get over it. It's because of impermanence, right? He would never say that. He never says anything of that sort, right? And, he, and, and the reason why he doesn't say the word impermanence is because he doesn't feel that he is in a position to be able to teach that to other people. Only the Buddha, only the Buddha Dharma is able to teach that to the people, right? So it shows his humility. It shows his humanity, right? It's, he's saying that it's not his place to be telling other people what truth is and that he himself is in fact the recipient of truth. Right? It's a very interesting um, point about him, right? 
that he, he, he's even careful as far as what words he uses and what words he doesn't use. So this, this, this shows Shinran's not only humility, but more importantly, what it shows is his humanity. Shinran Shonin, you know, was an amazing leader, right? An amazing uh, person for us to follow. He shows us how not only to tap in the world of the Buddha Dharma, the world of absolute truth or Ramita Buddha's infinite wisdom and compassion, but he also shows us that by doing so, he becomes truly human. In other words, he understands and becomes one in solidarity with all human beings. And if you think about it, that's why we are Jodo Shinshu Buddhists. We are Jodo Shinshu Buddhists because we recognize that through the Buddha Dharma, we can be in unity with all humanity. With the Nembutsu teaching, we know that we will be together with our loved ones in the world of oneness, the world we call the Pure Land. With the Nimbus teaching, we feel the pain when others are suffering. We can understand that the turbulence and suffering of this world is not caused by an enemy that is foreign to us. Rather, it is our egocentricity and delusion that causes suffering. So no amount of finger pointing no amount of blaming and fighting with other people is going to end our suffering. Coming to infinite wisdom and compassion is the only way to overcome suffering. So when it comes to, you know, crime like theft or the school shootings, through the Nembut's teaching, we can see that theft is wrong and killing is misguided. And that when we do these things, we inflict so much harm, not just to the people directly involved, but also to the people around the victims, right? The people that died in the shooting are not only the ones affected, their families and extended families are now forever scarred from this tragedy. Every student in that school, all of the kids in that district and in that state are now affected by this tragedy. Everybody is affected by this tragedy. So the trauma and the pain is endless when we think about it in, in that way. This is the pain that we feel as Buddhists looking at this situation. Finally, with the Nimbus teaching, we understand in the face of a pandemic and in an era of unprecedented climate extremities, we see that all human beings are in this together. And if we don't work together, if we don't see that we're all in this together, no one's going to make it. In the, in the teaching of Buddhism, the teaching first expounded to us of this world by Shakyamuni Buddha, everyone has to make it. Everyone make it, must make it, or no one does. And this is the Bodhisattva ideal. This is Mahayana Buddhism. So someone might hear this and say, well, you know, I understand things like, you know, empathy and, and compassion for others. You know, why do I need to be Buddhist to understand this, right? To which the answer is, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't have to be Buddhist to understand uh, things like, you know, empathy and compassion. But, you know, there's a difference between human empathy and compassion versus Buddhist empathy and compassion. Human empathy and compassion is very limited. It only allows us to have empathy and compassion 
to the things we have a special connection to. For example, I can have empathy and compassion for my family and friends, but it's very, very hard to find compassion for strangers, for other people who have, uh, who I don't have this this direct connection with. And this is because I'm placing judgment on what deserves to have my compassion or not. The Buddha, the Buddha Dharma, however, does not choose compassion only for a select few and not the rest. Buddha understands compassion in a much different way than we do. The Buddha's compassion is limitless and, and completely altruistic, meaning it's for everyone. It is not selective or exclusive, only meant for a chosen few. Many religions do this. You know, the deity or deities will say, if you meet the criteria worthy of salvation, I will give you my love. But in Buddhism, there is no condition. There is no criteria that you have to meet. Everyone receives compassion by Buddha. They simply just don't realize it yet. And again, I'm not saying Buddha as a deity or Buddha as a, uh, a, a, a omnipotent being, right? Buddha as the principle of wisdom and compassion, right? The principle of true reality is altruistic. It is itself wisdom and compassion. So the Buddha Dharma will have compassion for all. Buddha even feels the pain and the ignorance of those who act in aggression towards others. The Buddha Dharma, and I'm using Buddha Dharma and Buddha here interchangeably. Okay, so the Buddha Dharma does not excuse evil behavior. It's not saying that it's okay to act in aggression and hurt and kill others, such as in this you know terrible shooting. But it is saying that those who act in aggression are ignorant of the truth. They fail to realize that hurting others is hurting the self. How many worldviews do you know will say this? Right? Usually it's the case that religion tells us that everything is black and white and that we should side with the good. There is evil in this world and we must fight on the side of the good, right? And so it's very clear cut where the line is. You're either, you're either following the rules or you're not following the rules, right? Buddhism, however, says that good and evil is not the absolute and it is not the only way to look at this world. Buddhism says that in fact, truth embraces both good and evil because both of these things are products of egocentric thinking. So what I just said right now, if it's taken out of context, can be misunderstood gravely. And that has been done since the time of Shina Shonen and, and time and time again throughout the history of this religion, right? They say that because truth embraces both good and evil, then they, uh, critics argued that Jodo Shinshu was uh, promoting evil acts, promoting violence and, and, and atrocious, atrocious behavior in society when that was not what Jodo Shinshu was trying to say. Buddhism is also not to try, is not promoting antinomian sentiments of, you know, because of the fact that you are saved, because of the fact that you are spiritually liberated or that there is a path to spiritual liberation for you, that you can then go around and do whatever you want. 
right? That you can go around and hurt, hurt, rape, and pillage this this entire world and do what you what you wish to do if you're going to be saved anyway. That is not what Jodo Shinshu uh, is is about, right? And there are many examples where Shina tries to kind of um, address this issue, which I won't get into now. I'll get into um, on some other time, but. Um, what I do want to say here is that truth embraces both good and evil. It transcends both good and evil because both of these things, as in good and evil, are products of egocentric thinking. The source of good and evil are both problematic. In, in terms of how Jodi Shinshu interprets the, 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 the issue of spiritual liberation, so this is why Buddhism is lukewarm with the idea of justice. Because yes, on the one hand, we do need justice, right? The people responsible for the heinous act of killing or enabling killing need to be held accountable in whatever case, right? In whatever situation that is. But on the other hand, in a religious and spiritual plane, Jodo Shinshu is asking us, why do we think we are capable of administering justice? What makes us think we are capable of determining what justice is? Who polices the police? What is the standard that we are using to judge good and evil? And are we always consistent with applying this standard to all beings? For example, are we consistent is, is the majority consistent in applying this to all minorities, right? So Buddhism teaches us that things aren't as simple as they seem. They're not as clear cut, not as black and white as we want them to be, and not as black and white as religion makes it out to be. Again, Buddhism is not condoning evil behavior or the acts of hurting others. However, it is getting us to realize the limitation of the human concept of justice, empathy, and compassion. Only Buddha's great wisdom and compassion is limitless. And without the teachings of the Buddha Dharma, we will continue in the cycle of suffering and drown in the ocean of constant struggle. So what I'm trying to say here is that you know, we should do justice, right? We should take part in compassionate activity. We should try to, you know, um, be logical in how we approach things like climate change and things like that, right? Um, we should um, look at issues of ethics and social justice um, and try to be fair, as fair as possible as we can. But Jodi Shinshu is saying, you have to do that with the premise or the presupposition that your own egocentric self is going to limit you from being completely altruistic. In other words, things have always been messed up. Things will always be messed up. And um, you can try to, you know, make things better, but don't be surprised when everything doesn't get better, okay? Because of the fact of egocentricity everybody's working on the basis of this egocentricity right and is and and the more that we are realistic about this situation of who we truly are 
not only will that be more pragmatic in the way we approach social issues and, and the outside world, but it is more pragmatic in, in terms of being realistic of how we see ourselves and our spiritual selves, right? And this makes us change our worldview. Now it's not this idea of um, you need to adjust to my standards of right and wrong, right? It's more of this uh, of attitude of we're all in this together and let's work together to try to find a situation or, or that, 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 that can um, work for everyone as opposed to it has to work my way or the highway, right? Um, and so um, that's what Jodo Shinshi is trying to get us to see, to be realistic about our goals. Right? And it's not to say that we can't do justice, we can't do compassion. Jodo Shinshu is saying we should try to do these things, but we should do it with the understanding that we have our limitations. And the sooner we come to this understanding, the better it is not only for ourselves, but for uh, the people that we are trying to help. So um, there's a commonly used um, example that I would like to share um, which is that let's say for example that you're pointing your finger at someone okay um, and when you point your finger at someone uh, it's it's very easy to see the point the finger that's pointing at someone and it but it it's easier to overlook the fact that there are three fingers pointing right at yourself right so if you could just kind of imagine or even do this right now pointing your finger at something right but then if you look closely there's three fingers that are pointing back at you and this is what Jodo Shinshu is trying to get us to understand for every finger that we point there should be three we should recognize the fact that there are three pointing right back at us in terms of saying we should look at ourselves before we look at other people we should look at ourselves before we judge other people. We should look at ourselves before we, we, we impose upon other people our standards of right and wrong, good and evil, this and that, etc., etc. Right? So Buddhism is telling us there is so much going on in this world. There are so many pitfalls and so many things that can lead us to further anxiety, stress, and frustration with never any peace or calm this world is one of endless turbulence it will never stop the more we get caught up in it the more we will be engulfed in this world of endless suffering we are caught in the tornado as it whirls around chaotically the more we try to say you are the bad guy they are the bad guys those people are the ones causing my suffering or the more we try to find solutions in this secular world, the more we will be disappointed. Nothing is reliable in this world, as Shinran Shonin explains. Nothing in this world of delusion will give us lasting solutions and peace of mind. Not any one political ideology, nor any one social movement, they always end up disappointing us. Rather, Buddhism teaches us only the principle of the Buddha Dharma is true and that we need to look at the impending issue of our spiritual selves. 
and where we are going as spiritual beings, our path on, on, on the spiritual path. The Nimbut's teaching is true. It is the only thing that holds true uh, through all of this chaos. So Buddhism says don't get caught up in all the news, the gossip, the pain, the back and the forth, the this and the that, because it'll only end up causing further confusion and anguish. The only thing that is true and real is the Nembutsu, the principle of infinite wisdom and compassion. Right? But I can I can sit here and try to convince you of this until my face turns blue, and it's not gonna matter, right? I can't convince you of this, right? I can't even I can even hear myself sounding like you know like a false teacher or something trying to get you to believe in something. So don't don't believe me. Believe it when it when you come to it yourself through your own life experiences. That'll be the only thing that will convince you of this truth. Your karma is your path to truth. So that'll do it for us today. Um, in the first half, uh, what I tried to talk about was the basic principles of Pure Land Buddhism um, that is uh, uh, interpreted through um, Shinran Shonin, the founder of Jodo Shinshu Buddhism, which is predominant in, in Japan. And um, to say that uh, Jodo Shinshu Buddhism is a form of Mahayana Buddhism, um, the teaching is based on Mahayana principles and its textual basis centers on Shakyamuni Buddha's teaching of how to reach Nirvana by overcoming and resolving the issue of one's attachments. Okay, so um, th this is a common criticism that's lobbed at Jodo Shishu Buddhism that we are not Buddhists, we are, if anything, a monotheistic traditioner or something like that, right? Um, but that is not the case, and, and, and uh, I explained why earlier today. Um, and then the next question is, you know, what was our practice? The practice is the Nembutsu, right? Uh, but um, how we discuss the issue of practice is different from how um, the, the, the term practice is normally used. Uh, and that's something that I went into as well. And so the nim what we mean by Nembutsu is that we contemplate on, that we entrust in, and we recite the great practice. The great practice being uh, Amida Buddha's infinite wisdom and compassion that is calling out to us. Uh, that true reality is calling out to us, uh, trying to get us to awaken to this all-embracing uh, reality of wisdom and compassion, which we also know, know as the voiceless voice of true reality that is calling out to us. And in the second part, uh, we talk about certain issues that's coming up in the news and um, um, how to deal with those situations that Shina Shonin explains that you know all things in this world are impermanent they're constantly changing uh, and that we should uh, understand uh, what the true cause of this this change is uh, to to understand how the world works right and that the Nembutsu is trying to get us to understand uh, that situation and, and for that reason uh, it alone is the true and real uh, of uh, teaching um, of this world again it's not saying that um, it is the only teaching that's right and everything else is wrong, right? It's saying that through this teaching, Shinnan has been able to tap into the great true reality that embraces all sentient beings, right? And so um, I didn't mention it here, but um, 
it, it is kind of saying that, you know, everybody has to find their own path to get to this to this ultimate truth. For Shinan, that truth was uh, the Nimbut's teaching that connected him with uh, ultimate reality. In, in 2022, you know, as we face all of these uh, challenges that we faced in 2021 with no resolution, it seems like we didn't really get anywhere, that in 2022, um, we, we can hope to uh, try to uh, get to some of these issues in a more um, productive way. And from a Jodo Shinshu perspective, what I mean by productive way is to look at our spiritual selves and our spiritual paths. Um, you know, this is a very important aspect of our lives, I think. Um, and I think it's um, getting shunned and I think it's getting neglected uh, for many reasons. I think um, perhaps many people think that, you know, spirituality is a bunch of, you know, mumbo jumbo. Um, it's it's a bunch of superstition or it's a, it's a blind faith, right? Which is not the case, right? We have to look at our spiritual selves uh, because it, uh, it, a lot of social, the social ills that we are facing, a lot of the ailments that we are facing as a society, as a humanity, is happening because we are neglecting and pushing aside our spiritual selves uh, because we, we think that spirituality must mean that it needs to be associated with some kind of religious institution or religious organization. What I'm trying to say is that putting the religious organization aside, we have to look at our spiritual selves um, because true reality is trying to speak to us, is trying to call out to us. This voiceless voice of true reality is trying to get us to awaken to the fact that we are not the center of the universe and that we are a part of a greater dynamic reality, a greater phenomenon that is taking place and the sooner we come to this understanding, the sooner we realize that we're all in this together. Thank you for tuning in today to another episode of No Doubt. I'm your host, Takashi Miyagi. As the Bodhisattva of Asabandu states, O world honored one, with the mind that is single, I take refuge in the Tathagata of unhindered light, filling the ten quarters, and aspire to be born in the land of peace and happiness. Take care, Dharma friends. Until next time, Namo Amidots.